Fan Morning Show on a fun-filled Friday here. Gunning and McKee, very, very happy to welcome in our first guest of the day, John Morosi, joining us now. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. John, how are you doing this morning? Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Brent and Sam, good morning, my friends. Uh, glad to be with you. And uh, let's get this Jays schedule resumed. It's been too long since we saw this team play. It's been way too long since we saw this team play. As a guy that's been doing a week of Sports Talk Radio with no Jays, couldn't agree more, John. <laughs> that is the best opinion we've ever heard you share on these on these airwaves. Uh, more baseball? Yes, please. Uh, so one of the big questions we have for the Blue Jays heading into the second half of the season is, well, I wouldn't even say one of. It is the biggest question, I think, still surrounding this team is what is Alec Manoa? Uh, obviously, they've seen him start one game. It went pretty well. It's been also, a, you know, a bit of a layoff now. It's been a full week since he started. Uh, I would not expect him to get the ball tonight, although they have not announced their, their starters for this series yet. Uh, how big of a swing for the Blue Jays' second half is Alec Manoa, and is that kind of the biggest X factor in the second half of their season? Well, it's a great question, and obviously it is of paramount importance for the Jays to see what they're going to get from Manoa going forward. A couple things on that. Number one, the most encouraging part of it all was that he was in the strike zone. Uh, walks had certainly been a problem for him prior to him being sent to the minor leagues, and, and he obviously was in the zone all night against the Tigers. And so uh, obviously the, the Tigers do not have one of the better lineups in the American League, so we have to look at that in context. But in general, I, I think that the strike throwing is crucial to keep in mind. It's one of the more repeatable aspects of what uh, Manoa can bring to the mound. And when you consider where, where this team is heading in the, in the long term, they do expect to get Hunjin Ryu back. Um, they, they can probably, with, with Manoa back in the rotation now, be a little bit more, uh, I think, careful about when they when they pitch Kikuchi. Maybe he gets a little bit more rest here and there without having to have uh, the bullpen games all the time. And so I, I do think this puts them in a good situation in terms of rest for this club here going forward. And, and so it maybe even allows them to focus a bit more on a bat at the deadline than they would have been maybe two weeks ago. So I, I really believe that they have to maybe not necessarily – count him in as the as the all-star version of Manoa from a year ago. But what you're asking him to be is a solid third or fourth starter because you look at what you've got with Berrios and Gossman, a couple all-stars. I, I, I like I like where they're at right now with their rotation. It's not it's not perfect, but when you look around in the landscape of Major League Baseball guys, there's a lot of teams who would love to have the kind of rotation the Jays have right now. For sure, and I guess you kind of answered my question a little bit there, John, but like, how much does what the next couple starts for Manoa looks like affect the Jays' approach to the deadline in terms of what they prioritize? Well, I, I think it certainly affects it and the, their approach, and, and I also think that overall it'll be guided a bit by what is available and, and by what uh, the marketplace can yield. I mean, certainly the... There's a lot of conversation now about Otani. It's not really part of what the, what the Jays are, are likely to be talking about. So they, they can operate, uh, I think, apart from that with a lot more clarity about what they need and, and where they're at. We know their farm system is not necessarily the strongest that it's been in, in recent years. And I, I do think that will 
impact a little bit about what, what aisles they are shopping in, so to speak. I, I, I do think, though, there are plenty of, of impact players in the areas that they need help. I, I do think getting one more reliever is going to be important, and, and we certainly hope that Romano is back healthy uh, this weekend after the, the, the back issue scare during the All-Star game. Uh, but even if, whether he is or he isn't, I, I still think getting one more reliever is is something that they should do. Uh, obviously, they just saw Lang and Foley with the Tigers, who I think are two of the better relievers who could be available at the, at the deadline. And then you look at the Washington Nationals, names like Kyle Finnegan, who certainly can close games for you when needed. Uh, the Nationals also have a, a couple bats who I think would be really versatile and helpful for the Jays and with names like Ildemaro Vargas and the former Jay, Corey Dickerson. So uh, you're noticing I'm, I'm not mentioning – I'm not mentioning Nolan Arenado here. I'm not mentioning uh, Shohei Otani. I'm not mentioning those those types of deluxe guys at the deadline, and, and that's okay. This is a good team right now that I don't think needs to necessarily swing for the fences at the trade deadline. Just make some incremental improvements, and, and you're going to find that it's, I think, a much more uh, well-rounded team in, in the final uh, two and a half months of the season. Yeah, I mean, well-rounded was definitely the the drum they were beating heading into this year with the changes they made, wanting to get a little better defensively, a little more versatility in terms of the positions they, they could play. Uh, you know, I know you mentioned a uh, couple of Cardinals names there in terms of the team, a team that may be blowing it up. One name that was really intriguing to me is, is Jordan Hicks. I mean, we know he can run it up there at 102. We also know he was almost ran out of the big leagues earlier this year when his ERA really ballooned. How much do you think he specifically could, could help this Blue Jays team? Well, I, I think he could, and I would also say one of the one of the good things about talking to the Cardinals right now is that you could uh, you could talk about Hicks, and then you could also potentially, depending on how how big you wanted to make the deal, you could talk about some of their young bats like Brendan Donovan, uh, Nolan Gorman as well, Tommy Edmond. A lot of a lot of possibilities there with some versatile versatile guys that I, I think could really help the Jays, and not just for this year. All those, those three names I mentioned: uh, Donovan, Gorman. Edmund are all controllable beyond the end of this year. But Hicks, uh, <laughs> the electrifying nature of his arm is, is something that you are really excited about. And, and I think you know, he has at times struggled with command. I mean, when he's, when he's in the zone, no one can hit it. I mean, no one. Not even really just in it, right? He just has to get a sniff in, of the zone. In the vicinity. Just close to it, right, John? Right. I mean, it's, you're exactly right. He, he's one of those guys where – the catcher can basically say, all right, throw it down the middle and we'll be fine. And, <laughs> and that's basically what he has to do uh, or, or something or aim, aim close, miss close, as they say. And I think that that for him, um, if he's just in that general area, he is going to be in great shape. I think you make a great point. So he is someone that, given where the Cardinals are, all of their rental pieces are available, and whether it's him, uh, whether it's Jordan Montgomery in the rotation, uh, Jack Flaherty as well, um, the Cardinals, in a way that they've never really been in the years that I've covered the sport, um, they're in a complete sell mode, at least for this year. Um, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, 
uh, with Nolan Arenado, who is, as we know, Matt Chapman's high school teammate. Uh, how about that infield, by the way? I think that uh, they, they were doing okay for uh, Coach Mike Gonzalez so, there with El Toro High School in Lake Forest, California to have uh, tells you they Nolan Arenado at short and Matt Chapman at third. <laughs> I think they, they, they probably won a couple ball games yeah, over there. Not a lot of losses in that squad. Some, uh, something tells me there was a pitcher pitching to soft contact who colleges were just salivating over. Like, oh, this guy gets everybody out and uh, played a little different when he didn't have two gold glovers behind him. Yeah, um, Right, and platinum glovers. I mean, it's, we think about, uh, like, choose your favorite uh, minor hockey team that had, you know, a couple of future Hall of Famers in it. But, like, when you look at it in the baseball context, it's entirely possible that the two best defensive third basemen in the world Played on the same high school baseball team. Nuts. Um, <laughs> remarkable. So I got to ask you about Otani here, John. I, I'm just fascinated by what the Angels are going to do here. Like, to me, it seems obvious that you should trade him, but that's kind of taking away the human side of it and the fan side of it and all the stuff of having Otani on your baseball team. Like, I don't know how the hell you handle this if you're the general manager of the Angels. I mean, what would you do with them? What do you think is going to happen? Well, that, that's a great question, and uh, it's obviously going to be the question in sports for the next two and a half weeks. We could talk about this all day and not talk about it enough. Uh, it, this is, you know, this is basically bring back all the coverage of LeBron's first decision, and that's where we're at right now. <laughs> Honestly, um, as a preview, by the way, because we'll go through it all again in free agency. But here's what I think is is happening right now. I was told probably like a week ago by a lot of people in the industry. This, even with Trout being injured, that we should not expect a trade of Otani. In the last week, the, the, the tenor of that information has changed a little bit. To that, while we should still describe a trade as being unlikely, it is possible. And possible because the Angels organizationally feel as though they, they owe it to the process to, to go through this and think through it and see if someone totally overwhelms them. They're not going to be desperate to move him because it would be totally disingenuous to, to, to do that and to say, well, I'm, I have to quote-unquote maximize this asset. I mean, he's, he's one of the most valuable and unique athletes in the history of team sports in, on planet Earth. So... You don't really need to, to, to trade him away in, in that sense. Um, but I do think that they have arrived to a headspace where they believe they have to at least explore it and see if a team overwhelms them. This is the interesting thing about this, too, is that we, we always in sports, first of all, with the performance of Otani and what he means, we always try to compare because that's our natural inclination as humans and analytical sports people is, okay, he is the best since, since this person. Well, he's the only person to ever do what he's done. And so he's in, at, at the level he's doing it for the time he's doing it. So we, we can't compare him to anybody. He, he's a one of one, which makes it uh, somewhat challenging uh, to, to have conversations like you know, Brady versus Manning or, or LeBron versus MJ because we have no one to compare him to. The, the other part where that becomes uh, challenging is for an executive to say, okay, when we trade an Otani, what happens at the deadline? What should we ask for? And, and you, you assign all of your uh, physical analysts and all of your interns to, look to, to gather for you all 
past cases of when an Otani was traded, <laughs> and they say, uh, "Well, never everyone, uh, it's never happened before. We have no idea what he's what he's worth." What was Babe Ruth traded for? They just sold right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't, you know, with all due respect to the the 2015 David Price trade, it isn't David Price. <laughs> uh, with, with all due respect to the 2008 CC Sabathia trade, he's not CC. I mean, this is this is take your pick. We've never seen it before. So uh, this is why it's going to be a lot of fun because we are we are driving in, in totally uncharted roads, and that's what makes it really fun for people like the three of us. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, maybe maybe less fun if you're somebody like Sam and I who's doing angels talk out there, and it's just, yeah. oh, please hold yeah. on as long as you can. I, I think it's probably a little less fun for them. You, you kind of touched on it there at the end is that as much as it's, we have these conversations about what Otani's going to be worth once he gets to the open market, and it is just such an impossible thing to say because he's a 200-ish million-dollar player as a hitter. He's a 200-ish million-dollar player as a, as a pitcher, maybe more than, than that for both of those. It's the exact same problem you have in making a trade. You know, we go look at the Juan Soto trade as the closest reasonable comparison, but... He had years of team control beyond this. It is a strictly hitter, but it's a younger player. It's, it, it really is impossible. I do wonder also, you know, we always hear from from the player's perspective of it is imperative for Otani to go set the market. He shouldn't take a deal less than what he deserves, even if it's somewhere he wants to be, because players want that market set. You know, I understand teams are in competition with each other, but I wonder how much of it is, is you know, the Angels wanting to kind of set that market for a truly generational guy, because to your point, whenever, should this trade happen, if it happens, it is going to be the one we point to for the next, at the very least, decade of this is what it costs to get a blockbuster guy with one year left heading into free agency. Right. Well, and, and two, let's remember the human side of this. If you trade Shohei and you get back three or four prospects, five prospects, however many you get, you better be right about those guys, not necessarily in their performance, but in their character. Because if, if you make that trade, you're about to change their life forever. Because that guy we got for Otani, or or that point. guy. You know, you think about any time he strikes out, any time he gives up a homer. You know, you know who they traded to get that guy, yeah, and and that's and that's the conversation that surrounds them for a long time. You you have to be a strong organization, um, and, and the Angels have had some turnover in recent years. They've you look back at how many different GMs they've had in the last ten or twelve years different eras of, of Angels baseball, they've been, you know, as, as much as their, their team has been defined by Trout and Otani on the field since the early part of the last decade, in the case of Trout and the last six years with, with Shohei, there's been a fair amount of organizational tumult. And, and they need, if they're going to make this trade, just for the sake of everyone's mental well-being, there has to be a really good, foundation and and you're about if you make this trade you're about to put a lot on trout's plate in terms of being a leader who who keeps this thing unified so um it's this is a way more complicated trade than than talent out talent in maximize the ability etc it's different and i i think that the angels know that it's different but i i also think that they owe it to themselves to to pursue and gather the information because honestly, you're under 500. Um, 
what else are you going to do in the last two and a half weeks of July of, of 2023? <laughs> you probably need to just figure out what the best thing is to do. And by the way, by, by just going through this exercise of talking to teams, you're going to really get a good sense of what the landscape is. It's going to make you a better organization. The irony of ironies is their, their biggest geographic rival mm-hmm. is, is the Dodgers. And, and even you could call them, now that it's interleague play, they might be their biggest rival in every, in every context. Um, from the standpoint of hearts and minds, competition in the marketplace, socially, everywhere. It's just that is, that's the team you're comparing yourself to. And they have got the most prospects of any team in the game. And I, I am of the mind that, that if you're operating out of the, the, the old school playbook, you would never trade a player of Otani's caliber to the Dodgers because what happens if, if he's wearing Dodger blue hitting home run number 60? At the end of September, like how's that going to look? Oh, that ain't going to feel in, good in California. Yeah, but what if it happens right? next year, oh. anyways? Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's and that's the other irony, where basically a lot of us in the industry believe there's a pretty strong chance that he wants to be a Dodger. Uh, you know, maybe he becomes a Mariner. There's, there's other teams to think about here. But if if Artie Moreno and 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 the leadership there in Anaheim says, wait a minute, we let's not get too haughty about our own sort of uh, attitude and presence in the marketplace. Let's make the best deal we can make. And if the Dodgers are going to overpay us to get two months of him with the idea that they're going to sign him long-term and they're going to pay him at that, pay us at that premium, maybe, maybe you make that move, but it's, it would, I'll just say this, it would go against everything that a whole lot of people believe the Angels would want to do if if that was the case. Yeah, boy, uh, it'll be a fascinating uh, three weeks and change here until we figure it all out. And uh, that was a great answer, but I think you can workshop it and get it just a little bit better by the end of the month because you're going to have a lot of chances to answer (laughs) that exact question, John. Uh, Always, always love. uh, Thanks, buddy. Always love getting you on. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. And again, we'll, uh, I, I will I will keep that answer coming. You guys call me anytime. <laughs> and uh, and I'm of the mind that we cannot possibly talk about Shohei enough. On the field, in the trade market, uh, it is a, an absolutely great month out of the, out of the year. And, and uh, next time we talk, I'll, I'll find a way to, to work in some references to Alex DeBrinkett and the, the playoff-bound Detroit Red Wings. Well, I'm about to do a leaf sends parallel, so uh, everyone's going to get that coming up. And you led me there, John. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, uh, there he goes, John Morosi. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I... That's where my mind immediately goes. Like Just like to put it in super local context. Imagine Shohei Otani was an Ottawa senator, and it's like, hey, he's going to do the thing. He's going to go do the John Tavares thing. Wouldn't, like, I understand it's disgusting, but wouldn't you rather get something for it than just being a petulant baby and going, no, you can't have him, and then having nothing to show for it and him end up possibly there anyways? I... Being an Angels fan, it's got to just rot. It does because you got all the best guys. You get the t- you have legitimately <laughs> the two best players in the world, yeah. right? I mean, you can quibble. I mean, yeah. Trout's always hurt. Never yeah. played a meaningful game. Yeah, I know. Shohei Otani. I mean, he yeah. is legitimately one of the best players probably in the history of baseball. Yes, and I'd he- agree with that. Bold, I know. And it's a very, very hot take yeah. by me. I know at this time <laughs> of the morning, really, really hot take. But you've won nothing. Nothing. 
Like literally nothing. Uh, the, Trout's my, never won a playoff. He game. played in three of them. Yeah. He is one for fifteen. Yeah, it's he, my favorite stat in the world. Yeah, he doesn't. He's just hasn't played a big one. The biggest moment actually was one of your yes. guys striking out <laughs> the other guy. Like, and and to just twist the knife a little more. The guy who's going to leave We've striking won. out the guy who's yeah. rotting there forever and hurt every season. I, I, and then you just got to stare down the barrel of the Dodgers. Who no, are it's good coming. Every, or good every year. Yeah. But they always choke. So you always have that. <laughs> okay. That's, Except, that's one check mark for the that Angels That is the fans. one thing you have. We won the World Series yeah. before you guys and your World Series is fake. Yours okay. does not count. Yep. Your the 2020 World Series don't, does not count. Don't take that as a total cosign that I'm saying yes, but okay. Oh, I'll, you think that one counts? No, nah, I don't. The, the only... Clayton Kershaw finally slays the dragon the in, a, only, in a park that wasn't his in front of 10,000 fans. Come on. No, that didn't the, count. The only ones that I say don't count were DJ's lime green jacket and your boy, uh, your boy Brooks or uh, Bryson. I also don't uh, think US lightning Open. one counts. Well, they stamped it home, so it does. It doesn't count. But they stamped it home. What do you mean? Like they won again. Oh yeah, that one counts. Oh, okay. Like to me, to me, it counts as a half. I'd, even, you... I'd even argue that that one was kind of iffy. I mean... Don't get me bogged down into into salary caps and chicanery and what would have happened if but, the Leafs would uh, the have done Dodgers what Kucherov to me, did. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That Let's get is back on the rails. The true. I mean, we're we started with Otani and now yeah. we're talking about fake championships, know, so we're it. not we're way off the rails. Okay. But uh, hey, it, to take it back to Kipper and Bourne, off the rails Friday. Um, this is okay. Here we go. Perfect oh, timing. Oh no! This is something. That, I'm this so is something scared. To he's on. looking. He's looking. Oh, oh. Do you have the read in front of you? No, or do I, don't. I need you to do, do that do too? Do it for me. Okay. Uh, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum yum yum. Okay. <laughs> it's like working with a dog. What's at the times. fakest? What's the fakest of the fake tro- of the fake championships during 2020? Uh, to me, it's the it, Dodgers. Not even close. <sighs> no, to me. To me, it is, if I'm just doing team sports, to me, the fakest one is the lightning, but then they stamped it home. So I have to give them credit for it. It's like hockey going on the road, the travel, the arduous nature of it. Shouldn't be staying at a, at a pool in the Hotel X getting ready to go in, okay? <laughs> that one to me was always the fakest. The Stanley Cup is supposed to be the hardest one and I'm never going to sit here and tell you it was easy to win that, yeah. but no, that one to me always supposed to be the hardest, so that has the biggest asterisk regardless. Unless, of course, uh, my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs would have won it. We don't have to worry about that. I There's part of me that's happy they didn't. Oh, oh, I'm thrilled because like, you know, which is an insane thing. You to say. know that that oh, would. My you know, God. every guy who does this job Asterix. outside of here Asterix. would be you. You'd be like, oh Asterix. yeah, oh did that choking dog? I Asterix. won't name a leaf. Da 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 da. Get it done, yeah. But unfortunately, they couldn't get by Columbus in the first in the play-in round. So um, we'll always have that comeback to was, force was, game five. That was a sneaky great comeback. Okay, which oh, can't believe we're doing. But this. hold on, hold which on. Game? No, no. Well, I don't want to get bogged okay. down to that. <laughs> the Dodgers one, yeah, is the fakest. Okay, why? Because what? The, what did they play? Fifty games. Okay, there's something to a that. A baseball for sure. season is 162 games. They play what? They play 50, 60. It was nothing. Yeah, 60 some odd games. Yep. They didn't have to play. There's something to be said about a fan base that knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. And there are so many ghosts <laughs> yep. at Dodger Stadium. Yep. And every time there's a tight game and Kershaw's on the mound at that stadium, mm-hmm. there's a sound of something Ooh. puckering up. And I won't say what it is on oh. the radio, but there's puckering think, going on. I think that guy found it in yes. his dirty, wet head <laughs> is what I think he found. There's a lot of puckering going on. Everybody's feeling it. And Kershaw got to have his flowers 
in front of, was it at Petco Park in front of 10,000 people, not his home park yeah. against the, the Rays? Fake. Love it. I and love like, you just, having a hobby makes, horse. It makes me so sad because one of my favorite things in sports is that Clayton Kershaw couldn't get it done. Yeah. I just love that. It's one of my favorite things. I don't even know why. I don't even hate him. I just, I like when the greats. No, you do though. I like when the greats have but, a flaw. But you do hate him. Yeah. Just so we're clear. I like it. Like LeBron has a flaw. He's the corniest guy on earth. And he's, he's like impossible he's to listen to. He's like, good news for you. I'm not retired. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to cringe to no, death. No, that is good news for me. I don't yeah, want to cringe sing to it, death. King. I don't want to cringe to death hearing him say that. But it's like Clayton Kershaw being like the guy's like, oh, I always, you know. Yeah. He's the chokes. Yeah. He's the guy that's like, he's great all mm-hmm. the time in the regular season. And then it's like the big game. Yep. Bomb. Bomb. Juan Soto, two yep. bombs. Matt Adams takes mm-hmm. him deep. We've seen it. And then they just kind of got to get rid of that. And yep. everyone just like kind of accepted it. And I just, I don't think it's right. I know. I, so it, there you go. I love how much you will never me. bring this up. I am a big believer that if you are a sports fan, you need to have just a few opinions that you'll never yeah, ever let and that die. That is definitely one of them. That is one of them. Uh, one that I will hold true forever mm. is that uh, this is tough for you. I, I don't know. Are you still a Steelers fan? Or you? No, I don't really care. Okay, I, I, if I had to name my team, got in my head, I would say it would be the Steelers. Even though I, we did a Bills fan tribunal, yeah, and you yeah, said yeah, you relinquished no, all the, that's I like, fake. Okay. I like the Bills too. You do. I know I, you do. I like the Browns. Okay. I like I like a lot of teams. You, you like the you're a Steelers yeah, fan like and Browns. you like the Browns. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like the Browns. Uh, so my NFL one is that uh, San Antonio Holmes only one foot down in the end zone in Arizona. I, think I that's uh, fair. I do not. I am not convinced still to this day. People have sent me screenshots of his toe allegedly touching. I don't think it did. Uh, can never convince me, and that's why sports. Th- this is a. Point. I wish we hadn't thought of this on Friday. Friday at seven twenty-five. When we have you, a loaded show your coming be- up. Your best hobby horse takes the ones that you just believe to be true, regardless. I mean, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna throw it out right now and. And either we're going to have an awesome guest at 830 or we're going to do that at 830. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? If we don't get enough of them, we'll just save it and gin it up all throughout your, next your week. Your best sports conspiracy theory? Yeah, your best sports conspiracy theory, your best hobby horse. Uh, either, uh, I should have thought of that on Tuesday. Yeah, well, hey, uh, you know, we got the cobwebs <laughs> out eventually. Uh, somebody who never has cobwebs in. Mm. Never. Well, occasionally. But he once the mic's on, he's ready to rock. Stellectricity. It's going to get electric in here. Gord Stellick going to join us coming up next halfway through the fan morning show with Gutting and McKee on Sportsnet 59 of the fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Halfway through here, fan morning show, Gunning and McKee with you, Sportsnet 590, the fan. 590, 590, text lines open. Going to close out the hour with a couple of our grinders and, uh, I'm sure there's people who work in other professions that listen, but we have the dudes crawling around in sewers market cornered. Everybody who works in a sewer uh, texting in to let us know that that's their uh, greasy job. There's no real segue here, so I'm just going to say a friend of ours is standing on the line. Very, very happy to welcome in, you know, both of our radio papa. Let's be honest here. Gord Stellick joining us. It's about to get electric. Gordo, how you doing? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I'm really enjoying listening to earlier, and uh, it's fun when you get on fire about things and topics. Now, I do not understand the the sewer comparable. I don't quite understand that. So, what? Uh, we'll just we'll just leave that alone, Gordo. Okay, we've been okay. we've been just asking for people who have harder jobs than us to text oh, gosh. in. Oh gosh, we're down in the yes. dumps, if you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, it's okay. uh, it's all star break. We got nothing to talk about, so uh, we were we were searching and scrounging for a topic, and uh, yeah, just asking people who have actual real hard jobs uh, to text in. So that's where uh, that comes. 
comments from. But yes, no, uh, no parallel to you. Uh, I guess you could say from the sewer to the penthouse, bringing bringing you on, Gordo. That's really the uh, the only. So before we get, you know, before we ask you even one Leafs question, uh, just to keep it, you know, uh, you know, Kipper and Born adjacent at the very least, you got a fill in host and their producer here. What's going on at the dog park and how's pickleball going these days? <laughs> well, I'll be heading to the dog park with Blue very shortly, so he'll nice. be quite excited. Yeah, and uh, yeah, pickleball, pickleball is all all the rage, all the rage. Won our last two, two out of three. So uh, I'm good on both fronts in that regard in, in summer mode. And, you know, maybe sometime we'll get a chance to play it. I know we had a great golf game once. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Uh, pickleball, who knows? Pickleball Professional League, it's on TV now. You never know. We could be at this. We're at ground zero. I've never actually played pickleball but it's got like is the ball hollow is it a hollow ball it's like the scoop well maybe there can be different balls but the ones i play with so remember yeah. you played that game scoop ball yeah, yeah. in school yeah. and mm-hmm. it's a plastic yeah, yeah. ball with holes in yeah, it yeah. That. okay that's like kind of the ball kind of thing okay uh, yeah All yeah right. and and one of the problems is like it makes a, a more definite sound so pickleball courts apparently are being built close to houses, and some houses are not ec- ecstatic about the concept. This is uh, this is actually an issue in, in yes. Burlington yes. right now. Really? Okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're just there. There's a consultation going on oh, from pickleball gym. It's a lot. It's uh, pickleball's well, hot in the streets, is, Mickey. Isn't there a big time rivalry between tennis and pickleball, Gordo? Like, isn't no. it like one no. hates the other? No. no. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've heard this cra- too. Man, I've heard you this are too, off the rails. <laughs> what do you mean? You are really off the rails. Pickleball just started i've heard no i've heard tennis people tennis people text in yeah. i heard they look down their nose at pickleball is what i've heard that's what i've heard too well imagine well do you want to hang with someone has takes the time not only to look down the nose <laughs> but then text in to tell you they look down the nose uh that person is looking for a partner to play i think very often <laughs> uh they probably are uh, uh they, they, they probably Bruno. are we do love you uh okay toronto maple leafs uh it's been been quiet uh, I guess that's to be expected when we didn't get the deals for Matthews and I suppose Nylander as well, right off the hop of July one, I think it was fair to expect, okay, these negotiations might take uh, a bit of time. Have your, has your opinion kind of changed on how you expect it to play out or, or how you're feeling based on or since July one and the fact that no deal has come uh, out of either camp yet? No, not at all. Not at all. I think I think part of the problem around now, you know, Brent and Sam is, you know, everyone want instantaneous results and, the second day of free agency, you got to say, that was really good work by Brad Treliving after kind of wondering day one, okay, we see who's leaving, who's coming. And then you crafted contracts, you didn't have long-term deals, and I thought that was really, really a solid day. But I, I've said I expect Austin Matthews to sign. Uh, I think Willie Nylander could go into the year playing out his option, playing his option year to start things off. Uh, who knows? But uh, so I'm not surprised. Trades are hard to do. We hear this from all 32 GMs. We hear the cap is a killer. We hear that from all 32 GMs, plus Vladdy Tarasenko, who really misplayed the cap as far as trying to find a destination. Boy, so, did he. Yeah, he really did. He really did. I mean, Carolina was interested. Uh, he thought he could get more. Then they went the Orlov route, and um, they're tapped out. So I don't know. He could end up in Ottawa, whatever it may be. But, yeah, I'm so, like, like the big hockey trade, I just don't see it happening for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I was sitting here during the break, Gordo, and I was pouring through Luke Fox's latest for Sportsnet.ca. Good, good. And, I want to talk about that. And, you know, the, the line that stuck out to me in it, is that something we've talked about a lot is just how Brad came in and defended us all, really, and our team, Marner said Thursday evening at his fifth annual Mitch Marner All-Star Invitational. Is that a good thing, Gordo? Like, is that what you wanted from the new general manager? More comfort? 
Well, you've picked the exact line I want to talk about. So first of all, first of all, yes, the, 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 the context of it, yeah, is a good thing. Is a good thing. So Brad Living, you know, coming in, a big, a big part about being a general manager is talking to your players, talking to all the players, talking to the big players, forging a relationship. You know, that, that I, I don't understate that. I don't dispute that. I think mm-hmm. that's been a real, real positive. I am tired, and I take it it's a direct quote from Luke, of the word defend. We're not – stop – you don't need to defend the big four, anyone, whatever. <laughs> don't you guys want to go further in the playoffs too? Yeah. Everyone loves the big four if you're a Leaf fan. Like, you know, I'm everyone. I, but it you know, really re- appreciates, respects the greatness, the regular season greatness and success of the big four and the team as a whole. Stop the word defend. It were cool. You guys are elite NHLers. Don't you want to go deeper in the playoffs than one playoff series win in a billion years? Like, that's all. That's all. That's what everyone's talking about. With the big four, without the big four, whatever it may be, that's it. I'm tired of the word defending this team. And it probably was said very innocently. It's not meant in the context that I'm taking it, but I take it in that context because every summer you're talking about moving ahead and you're hearing about defending. They don't need to be defended. No, I'm right there with you, Gord. I mean, how many times did we have the conversation all year about Sheldon Keefe walking back his criticisms? Guess what? You're allowed to criticize them. And guess what? If they don't like it, they're allowed to play better. And I thought that that's the interesting part about it to me is because I think a lot of people thought, you know, especially just comparing the two guys, how Treliving is perceived from the outside versus Kyle Dubas. I think people would have expected a kind of harder stance or more of a, you wouldn't want an aggressive or a, you know, a a bad relationship between the two sides there with the two players. But I think people thought it would be maybe a little less comfortable than it's been. And to hear that coming out of them, it just kind of gives you an insight into the headspace of, well, I won't put it on the whole of the core because it was the one guy who said it, uh, but it does kind of give you into a headspace of how the players feel, or at least that player feels of, I need to be defended. I need to have someone to have my back. Yeah, and I want to keep, you know, and keep in mind, it was said at a charity event, they're doing, you know, whatever, but just, it seems to be the quick go-to word. And then some people probably out there are going, are you guys nuts? You guys are making a mountain of a molehill, but we're talking about, you know, a certain, certain culture there, uh, apparently a dressing room that's quiet, okay? So they're bringing, you know, more verbal players in there. Uh, if you're quiet, quite often that means the wrong people, whoever they are, are not, not real leaders are speaking. I don't know. I don't know for a fact. So... Anyway, it's just, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, I, again, with, in Brad Treliving's case, uh, now, I've talked to you guys, you guys weren't even born, but I'm doing a book project with Damian Cox about a real, real great comparable, the 1978 Leaf team. It's going to come out in the fall because uh, it's more with, with the whole Borea Somming impact, and you think about Daryl Sittler, Tiger Williams, Lanny McDonald, Ian Turnbull, Mike Palmatier, and others are still iconic names, and they won that second-round series against the heavily favored New York Islanders. Now, the downside was when a new general manager came in to take over from Jim Gregory, it was Punch Imlach who, who made the sweeping changes that maybe some people are saying, I'd like to see Brad Living do now. Well, it was counterproductive back then because there was a lot of good stuff there that got thrown out. So I, I, you know, I didn't expect him to come and tear a strip off the team. Uh, I, I think the way he's gone about it is exactly the perfect way he should as an incoming general manager and incoming general manager under very unexpected and unique circumstances. Yeah, I think I think for the thing, especially what you brought up there with the idea of a quiet room, you know, I think the the question we all have, and it's the one we've had throughout the entirety of this kind of Leafs core, at least so long as they've been a playoff team, is that 
what can you add around the outside and how much does that matter? I mean, they've tried every conceivable type of voice. There was Lucy Goosey, Joe Thornton, and there was Patrick Marlowe, who was pretty serious. And now they're going to go the other way with a guy like Ryan Reeves. At a certain point in time, it does just have to come from, you don't want to put it all on four or five guys, but if that's the core of your team, if that's your leadership group, it does kind of feel like it has to come from there. And I don't know that they need to change who they are personally, but the fact that that criticism has been out there so much this summer quiet room quiet room at a certain point in time don't, don't those guys have to wear it well yeah yeah, yeah well that's the whole point you gotta you gotta all of us have to wear stuff wherever we're working or whatever it is you gotta wear the good bad and the ugly and and last season was not ugly phenomenal regular season got over the hump I mean against Tampa Bay but then gave it right back by the way they showed up the first three games against the Florida Panthers not just how they lost that they lost it's how they it's how they came out and now would uh, some fire and brimstone type player or whatever a little more jam starting the game is you know is that part of what they noticed that yeah you know we just were a little bit too uh, too I'm not the word soft that's the worst word to use but flat, just kind of yeah. kind of quiet flat whatever don't know you know whatever I mean you don't just hire a raw raw person to get it going but okay this is something a little bit easier easier to address and I I really have respected the young guys as a leadership group on the ice that I think they've you know during during times in the regular season when uh, over the last few years when a situation particularly starting the season before when it looked rather dire at the start and then they got that win against Chicago and kind of moved forward turned things around you know I kind of give the young the young group a lot of a lot of credit for being the leadership group within I think taking it upon themselves to do it it's funny that that win against Chicago and then the loss to the Ducks last yep. year it's like very too, like I feel like that's how if they had a loss at Chicago game how we look back on that but oh yeah you could tell me in a world they lose that Chicago game and they miss the playoffs like that was such a huge it felt that way the honestly so I want to ask you Gord about the decor because looking at it right now it looks like a pretty incomplete project, I would say. I don't think you're going to start your your year with Jake McCabe and, and Klingberg as your second pair. How do you think Brad Treliving, what do you think the best route for him to improve this is? Like, I, I don't think there's a lot of free agents left out there. It, you're scraping the barrel at this point. The trades seem tough. Like you've said, they don't have a ton of picks. Like, how do you think he goes about improving this decor that definitely needs it before the start of the year? Yeah, and Sam, I mean, the difficulty about it is, and I'm, you know, hey, it was time for Justin Hall to go. Agree. But, but people said, are you kidding me? You got three years at 3.4 million? Because that is how D are valued, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Luke Shen upped his play, got a much bigger contract to go to, Na- to go to Nashville. And so that's the problem out there. You want, is there a Michael Bunting type on the D that, you know, a complimentary piece that you can add? And one thing, that's one thing I will say, Brad, for a living, I'm interested to see a move or two I believe could happen over the summer because that's something he did a good job stressing in Calgary. I mean, they had a D they didn't want to go there. Adam Fox, right? He'd been drafted by the Calgary Flames. So he had to kind of pretty good one. Yeah. Had to kind of reluctantly move him somewhere for, for futures and that, but they had done a good job as far as trading, signing, whatever D. So yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I really hope the Morgan Riley we saw in the playoffs is what we see more in the regular season and especially the playoffs again, because you know, Number one, being healthy, because there's always questions the last couple of years how healthy he's been during the season. But just, you know, taking taking that role upon himself and being a leader. I mean, I really like the way Austin Matthews played. I mean, there's just been a lot of positives that, you know, come up, have come out of it. And one of the big ones was Morgan Riley, but there's no question. Now, uh, we're just, we're kicking around the other day that, okay, the Vegas Golden Knight, nobody has 6D like them. 
That's mm-hmm. depth. But in the playoffs, you can get away with 40. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good enough depth, by and large, to get away with in the playoffs. Ideally, you'd like to have six. But if you have four solid D, and then you can spot the other individuals depending where the game's going at certain times. So that's going to be – so everyone else has had, you know, a little bit kind of questions about, okay, we don't know what McCabe – We've seen a lot of potential. You know, TJ Brody's always been a great addition. He still is, but he's kind of had, you know, a little bit ifs and starts at some particular time, particularly in the playoffs. So, a little shaky for sure. Yeah, let's see, you know, let's see how it, let's see how it all, how it all evolves, evolves. It still is, to, to your point, when you're talking about getting to the promised land, an element of a work in progress. Yeah, and on the other side of things, though, when you do look at it, I think the right 1D could kind of slot everybody. I know this is a tale as old as time. We've only been having this conversation about the Leafs blue line forever. But I mean, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, John Klingberg, Jake McCabe, and Timothy Lilligren, they can all play on my team. I'm maybe not thrilled about the exact spot in the pecking order some of those guys are on this team. But to me, you add one more defenseman in, and obviously you want a little breathing room. That's where you're Giordano. Timmons, I'm, you know, you kid me all the time. I'm less crazy about him than you, than you think I am. But he's another guy who's kind of poking around. I don't think they needed to give him the one, one, but it does, you know, obviously everyone's talked about the idea of a uh, Brett Pesci or a Noah Hannafin or somebody of that ilk. You slot somebody like that in and all of a sudden you do feel a, a lot better uh, about it. I think the other kind of big question with the Leafs and I imagine we're going to have to wait a long time until we get some certainty on this one is, is Matt Murray. You know, if the team makes a, a big trade that kind of needs his salary to make sense, I think that'll give us uh, our clarity, but otherwise, Otherwise, it seems like a bit of a cone of silence. You know, I know the the kind of prevailing wisdom was always, well, if it doesn't play out because of the relationship he has, maybe he just goes on LTIR. Kind of hard to do when the guy was your backup when the playoffs ended. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, there's a bit of a disservice to him in that when he's been healthy, by and large, he, he played well. Uh, but again, you're talking how many years that he has not been healthy, and that becomes a problem. So, yeah, I, I, I you're... Your, your break this year is Joe Wall and Matthew Nyes are legitimate NHLers on entry-level contracts. So uh, that gives you a, a break cap-wise because they really have not had that for a few years. They had it in spades with, you know, Matthews Marner, Nylander, and all those guys at one time being their elite players on the team and, and making entry-level salaries. So, uh, uh, yeah, the Murray one is out there. You can't keep trading or swapping out of the first round to dump a contract again. It's mitigated by the Ottawa Senators picking up a portion of it. Um, the, the reality is they could start the season with the three goaltenders. You know, again, this is where it comes to uh, Brad Living and, and company about figuring out the cap. Oh, actually, we're going to let you go. But last one, a new GM in Living. Uh, going to have to, well, it, it's possible the two sides come to something before a week from today when his arbitration hearing is, but Ilya Samsonov, uh, possible his kind of, I won't say first interaction, because I'm sure he spoke to Treliving, but one of his first dealings with him is going to be one of the more contentious things you can have in a sport. Uh, do you think that will change the relationship between team and player a- at all, just with there not being the track record, obviously, Treliving coming in new? Do you think that changes anything? We know arbitration could be a little tricky at times. Well, you know, and I think more and more, you know, with, with social media and other things, the understanding about the big world out there, it's not it's not the big mystery boogeyman to the players anymore that it was deemed that you were taken to uh, detention and getting just obliterated by the principal about everything <laughs> you did. So, and I, I, I do believe that they'll work something out before. I mean, as you, it's a process right now. It's just, okay, a procedure that you, you file for arbitration. We know 
what is it, about 5 or 5% five of them actually go to arbitration. The arbitrator still gets paid, though, so they love it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know. Not, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest, Brent. Okay, happy to hear that. Uh, no animosity between the three of us either. In fact, we love you, Gordo. Thank Thanks, you so Gordo. much. Likewise, likewise, guys. Uh, yeah, good luck at the dog park. Good luck in pickleball. And keep that racket down before the tennis people uh, come for you, Gordo. Okay, well, I'm going to keep living to, uh, listening to your off-the-rails Friday as I head to the dog park. There so we keep go. Going. There he is. Uh, we better be good for at least the next uh, five minutes or so until Stellick gets uh, there. Uh, there he goes, Gord Stellick, friend of ours, radio legend. The goaltending is so far from a sure thing. But I feel good about it. Uh, you do? Yeah, okay. I do. I, I like. You're just sure Joe Wall's good? No. I'm you sure as, Samsonov's good? No. I'm as sure as I would be about anybody outside of Hellybuck and Shesterkin and Sorokin. And mm. I mean, whatever that club is to you, we don't need to do the whole thing. It's goalies. Yeah. I feel, I honestly, given what I have seen from Sansonov and Joe Wall, I feel that one of them is able to be just as capable as whoever you think the eighth best goaltender in the NHL is, or again, whatever the group, wherever that drop off is to you from Vesna stud to mm-hmm. just a guy, I am confident that one of those two guys or both of them at varying parts of the season can be that guy. Am I overwhelmingly confident? Would I bet them to have a Jennings caliber season far from it, but yeah. this is goaltending in 2023. Okay. That's fair. I mean, like, like outside of, a hell you buck move or something like that. And I just don't think that's where you push your chips in with this team. We talked no. yesterday about how limited the chips are to, to make any moves. The other part of it as well is just the whole ELC thing. And it's not his fault, but it's why Nick Robertson has been so frustrating. He's the only one that's been able to come close to cracking the lineup forever. Now you're going to have nice, a guy on an ELC. It does change the math. It changes it in a huge way because you hope and with Nyes, it's more than hope. We've actually seen glimpses of it. You're going to be asking a lot of them. Yep, you are. You and are. The kid that's only played the college season and, you know, coming yep. in, he wore down as the playoffs went on, got hurt. Yep. Like, it's very, you know, that's that's a that's a big thing to lean on. Yes, it is. And it just to pencil them in there. I know. It's almost, it's almost like somebody like myself would be saying we shouldn't be so happy to be rid of Michael Bunting in this town oh, because he God. was a guy who mattered and so fit in the top to six. Never I know you are. take another shift. I know you are. And you're going to miss him when you're complaining about Matthew Nyes having a drop-off in December. I will or, not miss him for one minute. Okay, so there's just a guy in the top six for the last two years who scored at a 60-point pace, yeah. and they're probably, based on how you're talking anyways, and then they not going to replace it. They added a better version of him for the top six. For one, yeah. for one year. Yeah, yeah, and for one year. Sure. And how many years of bunting side for? Three? Three. Yeah. yeah. God. Bullet dodged. Okay. I, I'm not sitting here saying I don't don't take this <laughs> as the Leafs should have given Michael Bunting that contract. Couldn't have, shouldn't have. I just think that you're going to miss him. The, Max Dome, maybe not you specifically. Oh, yeah, this team, this team is going to miss him. The idea that Max Domi is going to come in and replicate everything that he was able to give you. Bertuzzi, I'll take it I a heartbeat. Max Domi for sure, too. Like, Beth told me he's a really good offensive player. Yep. He's no good defensively, neither was Bunting. Like, it's, I think, I think they've done a great job of replacing his production. I don't think that we can just assume that Max Domi is going to fit as well with Austin Matthews as Bunting. Well, he's not, did. I don't think he's going to play with him. I think it's probably going to be Marner, Matthews, and Tyler Bertuzzi. Well, I would imagine. They paid him like a top line guy, right? Bertuzzi, yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine those three would play together, and then you'd slot uh, Domi down the lineup with Tavares and Willie. Probably. Okay. Yeah. I think that's probably how it would go. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, 
yeah, he, Domi had a big year last year. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a very capable player. The thing I, I keep coming more, didn't he have more points in Bunting last year? I don't know what he finished at. To be perfectly honest, the, he had, the thing he had I will twenty goals and thirty six. The assists. thing I will continue to I will continue to say until I am blue in the face about Bunting is that everybody assumes that you put anybody on Matthew's wing and it works out fine. And generally speaking, that is a left winger he has had far and away the most chemistry with, the most connection with, and the best play with. Can Bertuzzi be that guy? It's entirely possible. But it's also possible that they do not click because Matthews hasn't clicked with a lot of guys. I mean, Yarncroke, he's wanted to play with them. Yeah. And when Yarncroke shoots it in the net, we all think it's great. But we spend all of the other shifts talking about how it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I think it's fine. You I, think, think, I, I don't think they'll miss him for one second. Yeah, I uh, I wholeheartedly disagree, and I think they do. Because you love him. Well, yeah, I think he was a real, I think he was an excellent find on a team that needed salary cap help. All he ever did was give you everything that he could. He knocked Chernak out of the series that you do not win if he does not do that. Like, I will never stop defending Bunting and everything he did for this team. Oh, yeah, did, did a ton. All that success they had with him. Again, do they Great. win? The, do they win the series if he doesn't knock out? Chernak? If he doesn't do an incredibly dirty thing. Okay, well, yeah. we all, like I, I will never understand the hatred you have for Michael Bunting. Oh, I'll just never have to ever watch him dive around. Yes, and, and Tyler Bertuzzi, never and Tyler Bertuzzi himself once, and Tyler Bertuzzi is going to come and dive around just the same way. But he and, can fight. Okay, he's been in fights. Yeah. Michael Bunting just I just didn't like him. Didn't I know like watching don't. him play. I'm very aware, and I'm telling you, this team's going to be. They're going to miss him. They're going to miss him. They will 1,000% miss him. You have fun. You have fun in the Max Domi era. I'll forever yeah. keep wishing uh, that that was my beautiful boy uh, from yeah. Scarborough. All right. Yeah. All right. You want to uh, you want to read some grinder text or you're, you're upset now? No, I'm not upset at all. We don't have any time? Oh, wait, isn't it 7.55? Don't we break right. it that time? Okay, cool. Uh, never mind. Don't we break it that time? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Uh, coming <laughs> up uh, in the next hour, we got Travis Sawchick and Rowan Barrett. Also on the Fam Morning Show, we're giving away concert tickets all month long as part of our Bud Stage Summer Concert Giveaway Series. Today, we have tickets to give away for Foreigner playing at Budweiser Stage on July 25th. To enter for your chance to win, all you have to do is text the cold word cold as ice to 590-590. Again, that's cold as ice to 590-590. If you don't win with us you can secure your tickets for this event at ticketmaster.ca be sure to turn in next week as we have more great tickets to give away fan morning show continues one hour left sportsnet 5 9 of the fan